Hi, I'm Billy Shore. Welcome to Add Passion and Stir. It's our weekly conversation about food, hunger, passion, and making a difference in the world. Today, we're bringing you a conversation with two mayors at the forefront of the fight against childhood hunger. My sister, Debbie Shore, and I were thrilled to talk with Mayor LeVar Stoney from the city of Richmond, Virginia. And I also spoke to Mayor John Giles from the city of Mesa, Arizona. They're the inaugural chair and vice chair of the new Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger. This alliance is a nonpartisan coalition working in partnership with Share Our Strength's No Kid Hungry campaign to harness the individual and collective leadership of mayors to end childhood hunger. There's no excuse for children to go hungry in our country, and yet it happens every day in every community. Mayor Stoney and Mayor Giles speak about child hunger in their cities, what they've been able to accomplish so far, and what they believe we can do if we all work together. We're so glad you're here with us today. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to Add Passion and Stir. At just 40 years old, Mayor LeVar Stoney is serving his second term as mayor of Richmond, Virginia. In addition to being the inaugural chair of the Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger, he serves as the chair of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, Children, Health, and Human Services Committee. Mayor, I had uh, we brought our, our our board of directors to Richmond, and I had the honor of shaking your hand. Uh, there's so much uh, to to get excited about in that city. Such incredible history, uh, some beautiful architecture. Tell us uh, what you love most about Richmond, and and what your sales pitch usually is when you're talking to businesses about why they should come there. Well, you know. I, I don't want to be cheesy here and sorry for the food pun, <laughs> but you know, what I love the most about my job and what I love the most about Richmond is, uh, it's people. And really that's the, the culture, the, the cultural aspects of Richmond. We're, we're generous, we're compassionate, and we're more welcome, well, more welcoming and inclusive than we've ever had before. Uh, you know, Richmond is the former capital of the Confederacy and I refuse to let those roughly uh, three to four years in uh, Virginia history and American history define who Richmond is today in 2021. So uh, if you're looking for a city that is uh, become more progressive, become more inclusive, more welcoming, uh, this is this is the place for you. This is the place to make investments. And it's my hope that we will see the fruits of our labor moving forward. Mayor John Giles was born and raised in Mesa, Arizona, and is currently serving his second term as mayor. Along with serving as the inaugural vice chair of the Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger, he's a member of the U.S. Conference of Mayors Board of Trustees as chair of their Immigration Task Force and a member of the Mayor's Challenge to End Veterans Homelessness. Mesa is, is, a, is a wonderful combination of people who are, are very uh, compelled, have a sense of calling to, to help other people, and people who need a hand up. And, and uh, so I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. So... Uh, so that's who Mesa is. It, it's, it's people who need help and people who are uh, more than willing to provide that. I was born and raised here, but it, it, uh, we, we are growing you know, very quickly. Like, like As I think everyone knows, we're, uh, a lot of folks from around the country uh, have caught on to this being a good place to live. What's the population, we, Mayor? Mesa is now over half a million people. We're no the kidding. 35th largest city in the United States and uh, second largest city in, in the Phoenix metro area. Phoenix is the fifth largest city in the United States. You know, it continues to grow really fast. But, but so far, so, so our struggles are to keep up with growth, you know, among other things. It's to, to take care of the, of the people we have and, and particularly the, the children, you know, uh, address some of the basic needs we have. But also at the same time, 
to to try to to maintain the quality of life we have here by by keeping up with growth. We spoke with both mayors about what child hunger looks like in their cities. I know you're so close to the community. What does child hunger look like in Virginia? What should we understand about what kids are dealing with in your community? You know, here in Richmond, uh, I think there was a 2019 report came out from Feeding America that said that approximately 31,000 residents were experiencing food insecurity. And obviously, COVID-19 in 2020 has certainly exacerbated that that number since. And so uh, right now, we are dealing with what a lot of communities are dealing with, where uh, folks are uh, some are jobless uh, since the pandemic, and we knew we already had a roughly 21% uh, poverty rate in the city. And so I'm, I'm always concerned about those individuals who uh, are still struggling during a time of, uh, you know, uh, just, there's a lot unknown out there because of the pandemic. So uh, it, it's it's a unstable situation. And that's why partnerships like this matter the most. Do you feel that in Richmond, that's one of the starting places for you as a leader on this issue? Do you think you have to first generate the awareness around the issue before you put out some of the solutions? I think generating the awareness is, uh, has to be a priority for, for mayors across the country. Uh, because, you know, uh, sometimes you have to sort of put this in the faces of, of, of everyone, even those residents who are well off and let them know that you might be living uh, in a city, in a community with someone two miles down the street from where you live in your tree-lined neighborhood that might be living paycheck to paycheck and essentially struggling every night uh, to find something to, to, to eat. And as, as you know, uh, Dorothy McCall, the former first lady of, uh, of Virginia stated in the past here, uh, is that, you know, how can our children be hungry for success when they're just plain hungry, hungry for knowledge if they're just plain hungry. And so uh, I don't think sometimes, sometimes it takes us to sort of um, crystallize the fact that this is going on in our backyards and it may go unnoticed, but we have to shine a light on it. And, and also we all, I think, can all agree that it's, it's just uh, heartbreaking to know that uh, there are children who might be hiding it when they enter those school doors each and every day, but they're going home to a situation where they're at times, you can say essentially starving, starving at night and waiting to get back into school the next day to get, get that meal. And so uh, I think we, we, ha we have a, a special uh, role to play in highlighting this. And it's not just mayors, it's all of our community's leaders. I remember when I was a brand new mayor, I had a meeting with our uh, the, the superintendent of our largest school district, and which is the largest school district in the state, uh, over uh, 80 schools, so it's over 65,000 kids. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a major school district. And, and uh, at, towards the end of the meeting, he, he, uh, as we were talking about things that the city could do to, to, to be a good partner, he said something that, that was just very uh, life-changing for me. He looked me in the eye and he said, Poverty is doing very well in Mesa, Arizona. And I just, uh, like I say, I've, I, I, I think I reflect back on that conversation, if not every day, then, then frequently. Because it, uh, as I said earlier, you know, we are, if we focus on, on the, the good news, you know, we, we, <laughs> we could really uh, uh, fool ourselves into thinking that the thing, you know, all is well here. 
uh, and it's not. We we have significant uh, childhood poverty and and childhood uh, food security issues in in our city, as I think you, we do in in most or all cities in the United States. Uh, that's kind of when I you know, became you know adopted the zeal of a convert and realized that uh, that a, that my job was to address those issues in my community. So most of the schools in that district are Title I schools and, and uh, with very high percentages of free and reduced lunch. Each mayor shared some great stories about how they've addressed childhood hunger in their cities, particularly during the last two years during the pandemic. Right now, Richmond Public Schools participates in the uh, community eligibility provision that uh, provides for uh, free school lunches for each and every uh, uh, child in Richmond Public Schools. And that's breakfast and lunch. And it takes away the stigma uh, of uh, of being on on free free and reduced lunch. Uh, for instance, you know, I, I was a kid who was you know born to a couple teenagers who had never graduated from high school, and I grew up on free and reduced lunch. But I remember having to plug in uh, that code every morning or every afternoon uh, to access my my meal. And people asking me whether or not why do I get a reduced meal? Why do I get a free meal? Now we've taken that stigma away, and I appreciate the work uh, of, of many nonprofits here locally who've gotten us in this position. Uh, now all, like I said, all enrolled students are eligible to receive a, a healthy breakfast and lunch at, at RPS. And additionally as well, we've put more than $40 million uh, new dollars into Richmond Public Schools, and we expanded out-of-school time programs as well. And one of the key components of our out-of-school time program universalized between elementary school and middle school now is that uh, each child who accesses this after-school programming has access to a nutritional snack uh, in the evening times and the extended hours outside of school. What we know about our children is they spend 80% of their time outside the classroom. And so that's why we put a serious emphasis on uh, making sure our children get everything they need uh, outside the classroom. Uh, and also, we've been a, a strong advocate for federal assistance programs such as advocating against cuts uh, for the, in the supplemental nutrition assistance program, the SNAP program during the Trump administration as well. We appreciate the uh, the support and in, in, in fighting uh, any cutbacks that could harm our children. The pandemic, I think, taught us all uh, some good lessons. I mean, it was a horrible thing. I don't, I don't, uh, I wish it had never happened, of course. But uh, there are some. Uh, it, it has amplified and, and made more clear. I think some problems that we knew that we had before. The pandemic, but uh, as soon as it broke out, we, we did a needs assessment in our community because we had received a you know substantial amount of money from the federal government on, under the CARES Act, and we wanted to be uh, wise stewards uh, of that money. So we, uh, with uh, with the library staff and the art center staff and the parks and recreation staff and uh, the museum staff, all the folks that that were sidelined, that were city employees. We quickly pivoted them, you know, to being uh, to re responding to the pandemic. And the first thing we did was a needs assessment. And you, you recall back in the early days of the pandemic, we, how we all thought the sky was falling and our grocery store shelves were empty and people were hoarding uh, supplies. And uh, there was just palpable fear, I think, nation, if not worldwide, about meeting the basic needs of, of our families and our communities. So uh, we quickly prioritized uh, food insecurity and housing as uh, you know the, the top uh, priorities of, of of our COVID response. 
And so very quickly, the city of Mesa essentially became, you know, we, we were in the, 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 um, the food bank business. We, we shut down our, our convention center, which typically is very busy, and it became a, a, a warehouse. And we converted uh, that property into a drive-through food bank. And Wow, the entire convention center was devoted to being a food bank. Incredible. Yeah, it, it was. And, and uh, twice a week, you know, we'd, we'd have like 1,400 cars would drive through this parking lot. And, and we got pretty good at it, frankly. We, you know, they, they just paused for a moment and popped their trunk. And a few seconds later, there were 50 pounds of food in their trunk and, and they'd move on. So uh, and, and, and we knew that food insecurity was an issue before uh, COVID. Uh, but it, it just became such a stark reality, you know, when, when people were so desperate and so afraid. Um, and the same is true at, at our school. We, we, our school districts, you know, were, were really wonderful when it came to, to childhood uh, uh, hunger. Uh, we had, you know, also, you know, daily events at the, at the schools where families would drive through and, and, and get, uh, get food. Cities are on the front lines of responding to the short and long-term impacts of hunger in their communities. And mayors have witnessed firsthand the hardship that their constituents are facing. During the pandemic, we've seen mayors come together to address its impact on hunger and nutrition programs. We've seen mayors increase national awareness of the systemic connections between poverty, racism, and hunger. That's why Share Our Strength's No Kid Hungry campaign is partnering with mayors to launch the Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger. With more than 50 mayors signed up from across the political spectrum, the Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger taps the leadership, expertise, and passion of these leaders to focus on ending childhood hunger. Members of the Alliance will engage in collective advocacy to address child hunger at state and federal levels. And as the Alliance's inaugural chair and vice chair, Mayor Stoney and Mayor Giles have a lot of hope about what this group can do to transcend partisan politics. Talk a little bit about uh, how we overcome. Everything is so partisan today that we've tried to preserve this as an issue that shouldn't be and isn't. Uh, how, do, how do you think about it? Well, ab- absolutely it is. I think in, any of us who uh, heed the call to, to serve in, in, in elected office, uh, hopefully we understand that before you get to anything partisan, that there is a certain amount of sacred trust you know, that, that's given to, to having these types of positions in the community. There, there are many people in my city that they really owe their lives to the to the services that, that we provide. And so uh, hopefully uh, most of the elected officials in the country will will prioritize that above anything, you know, before they get to, to partisan bickering. Uh, unfortunately, that's not always the case, but, but it, the, the, the need is so compelling. And like I say, the, the importance of these jobs is just uh, too great to confuse it. You know, on these, on some of these ba- basic core issues and challenges that we face as a community, with with you know t- tainting it at all with with partisanship, the most important thing a mayor can do is, is lead. You know, you, you have to educate yourself on on what are the options, and then the biggest tool that I have in my toolbox is the ability to convene. You know, most people will come to a meeting if the mayor invites them to to that meeting, and so mayors are in a in a unique position, a uniquely powerful position. To, uh, to, to connect the needs of the community with the resources of the community, even beyond you know, the, what you would think is typically what government does. Uh, so it's been a real privilege to, uh, 
for me and, and other mayors across the country to to use the power of our offices in, in creative ways to try, to try to connect who the talented people are, who the generous people are in our community uh, with what the, uh, what the needs of our community are. You know, we all love to steal ideas from each other. Most of the, anything that I've done good in this job has been an idea that I've stolen from someone else. So, so it's important that we share ideas and, and tackle these common challenges that we have. Well, you know, I, I think sometimes people try to define issues like childhood hunger as a political uh, issue, right, uh, between Democrats and Republicans. But you know, I think when you're in, the, in this role as mayor, you find out that this is, this is about humanity and how we uh, treat uh, our, our children, uh, our families with dignity. And so uh, the work that we've done here in Richmond, I think, sort of demonstrates what you can do around the issue of childhood hunger. Here's a, there's, there's Democrats, Republicans, mayors from small cities, uh, mid-sized cities, big cities as well, yeah. that recognize that this is not a political issue. This is a humanitarian issue. And, and what better way to show your compassion for your uh, uh, for the fellow child, uh, for the child in your community by joining the Alliance and stepping up our efforts to make sure uh, our children don't go hungry. Both mayors have been handling many other needs in their populations as well. Give us a sense of just uh, a day in the life of the mayor of Richmond. What other kinds of issues do you deal with uh, in addition to your work on hunger? Well, you know, there's a, we have a full plate these days. You know, first, public health is of top priority of, for us right now with uh, the onset of the Omicron variant. Uh, so we're still battling COVID-19 and getting folks vaccinated and getting folks boosted as well, uh, making sure folks have the information necessary to make the good health decisions. Uh, right now we're experiencing a, an uptick in, in crime and so public safety is of top priority as well. But most importantly, we are in the opportunity business. And so we believe uh, giving our residents access to opportunity and doing that through an equitable lens will lead to economic mobility. So uh, we are reemerging uh, out of this uh, pandemic, even though we're a little bit, it's gone a little bit longer than we wanted it to, but we know that uh, once the pandemic lifts, we want to be one of those cities that are booming out of the gates uh, as uh, we see this as a great, great reset all across the nation among cities. Uh, we've spent about $27 million so far on, on trying to prevent homelessness uh, in, by paying utility bills and, and uh, pass-due rent and mortgage. Uh, but we've also, um, like I, I think there are several cities in California that have, this is not an idea that's original to Mesa, but we, we're, we're acquiring uh, a motel that I think will, like say for a large, very large motel, we've been renting up to 100 motel rooms a night. Uh, to keep to get people off the streets, uh, at-risk populations off the streets during the pandemic, uh, and then also I, I mentioned that that we went into the food bank business. Uh, we're using some of this uh, American Rescue Act money to to have a permanent facility that will take the place of our convention center, so folks will be able to to drive through and uh, on a more you know less of an urgent basis, but you know kind of walk into a uh, Essentially, a grocery store and and have access to to, uh, to to food for people who need it. So, uh, we've tried to be good partners uh, with with the schools. I mean, we've obviously one of the ways out of poverty is is education. So, so we've adopted that the city's been a, a good partner on uh, on pre K programs, uh, and then we also launched a college promise program a year ago. And so now we have uh, 
you know, kids that graduate from high schools in Mesa are, are guaranteed uh, two years of, of community college. Racial equity is a particular concern in Richmond, where more than 50% of the population is black and Hispanic. The city has also been in the public eye recently regarding its history with slavery and as the former capital of the Confederacy. In the wake of the protest after George Floyd's murder, Confederate monuments on city-owned land were removed, including those of Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. Help us understand a little bit from your perspective, how should we be thinking about the intersection of, of race uh, and equity and poverty issues with hunger? Well, well, well you know, I, as you said, there, uh, unfortunately, when we're talking about uh, hunger, uh, we know it's a, it's a symptom of, po- of poverty, it's an effect of poverty. And so uh, the best way, uh, you know, we're in the economic mobility uh, business, our job is to remove the barriers that might be out there for uh, black and brown kids in, in our community. Uh, when you put a black uh, kid and a, and a white kid uh, on the same plane, um, there might be more obstacles for uh, the black and brown kid. And so I think government has to be involved in the business of removing those, those obstacles. Uh, on their way to that de- dest- that successful destination. For us, we're using uh, the Richmond Equity Agenda do- to do that. Uh, we team some e- some equity goals uh, and use that as our frame on how we or how we choose to spend some of our American Rescue Plan dollars. And so, for instance, uh, we're investing five million dollars in, in into the first ever Health Equity Trust Fund. This trust fund will focus on addressing health disparities, uh, whether it's in COVID-19 vaccinations, mental health, substance abuse, health access, food insecurity, you name it. Uh, We know that these can become obstacles uh, for a child trying to uh, reach their destination uh, for success. And so we want to do everything we can. We have to redouble our efforts right now uh, in removing these sort of barriers so that our children in this, this real unstable time with uh, the pandemic, uh, they get every opportunity necessary to rise and to, to, to elevate themselves out of poverty. This equity agenda sounds, the Richmond equity agenda seems really visionary to me. Are other mayors doing uh, similar things? It seems just so important and so timely. And uh, what did it take to make it happen in Richmond? Well, you know, there have been some mayors, uh, some fellow friends of mine who have reached out to my office about the equity agenda that we uh, proposed to the city council and got the city council signed off as well. And essentially the equity agenda is us making a statement that, you know what, we know that government has been uh, involved, unfortunately involved in some of the wrongs uh, of the past. As I said, Richard Bean, the former capitalist confederacy, we know that Jim Crow has had a, 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 a foothold, has taken a foothold in Richmond for, for generations uh, prior to the to 2021, and what we want to do is work with our community uh, to sort of unwind some of those uh, systemic issues that hold Black and Brown people back. And so, whether it's how we use our American Rescue Plan dollars, how we uh, program our future budgets as well, this is a statement that we are no longer going backwards when it comes to uh, racial justice, but we're going to focus and center everything we do in equity and justice that will allow for opportunities. For, for everyone, no matter what zip code they live in. And the work was not very, you know, for us, we knew that we had to respond to the racial reckoning in 2020. And that meant that we just, there, there just can't be symbolic fixes, right? Like removing Confederate mon- monuments, you have to also work on 
the, the day-to-day life of our residents. So whether, whether it's programs like guaranteed income or our investments, historic investments in affordable housing, we know uh, these sort of approaches uh, lend themselves to allowing for children and their families to elevate themselves out of poverty. This is opportunity time for, for cities right now. And uh, that means that if you know there are uh, some wrongs, we have to be in the business of trying to right those wrongs. And every uh, level of government has a, a role to play, the federal government, uh, obviously through the current uh, assistance they provide to families. But I think state and federal governments, uh, state and local governments have a role to play as well. And for the local governments, I think that we have to be uh, more creative and more innovative about how we marshal the resources in a very targeted, direct way uh, at sort of chipping away at this problem of poverty. Hunger is often about more than food insecurity. One of the most effective anti-hunger strategies is job creation. Both mayors have had great success in attracting businesses to their communities and creating jobs for their residents. What have your strategies been for job creation? Well, as I indicated earlier, we uh, my community lags behind a, a lot of uh, my neighbors when it comes to higher education attainment, and I think that that's reflected in our our lower per capita income and and as I described earlier, the fact that poverty is alive and well here. So. So we have uh, focused a lot on education in our community and, and trying to get better at that, uh, to, to have at least, you know, two years of post-high school certification of, of some sort in our, in, uh, for our graduates. And so that, that was the, the motivation behind the College Promise and, and the, the, the pre-K programs that the city got involved in. Uh, and I think it has borne, fro- borne fruit. We, we are known, like I say, we're attracting some of the best companies in the world, literally, uh, you know, the, the Facebooks and the, the Apples and the Boeings and the Googles, they're, they're, they're coming to Mesa, Arizona in a big way. And the, the reason they come here is not just our weather and the fact that, that natural disasters are something that we don't deal with, uh, but we, you, ha- you have to have an educated workforce. That's the first thing that they're looking for. So, so far that, that uh, we've been able to check that box, but uh, we, we want to get better at that. Uh, the CoStar Group, one of the leading technology real estate companies, uh, stated that they were going to uh, basically expand their campus here in Richmond. Uh, we'll have up to 3,000 new jobs right here in downtown Richmond, making us a magnet for not just uh, domestic um, uh, commerce, but also international commerce in the future as well. They're going to build a 26-story building right here in downtown Richmond. And those are the sort of opportunities I want uh, to continue bringing to the city of Richmond on behalf of my residents. Uh, the average salary for these uh, jobs will be roughly $80,000. But we also know we, know we need jobs for all uh, the different classes within the city, the working class, the middle class, and I'm glad that Rich has become a target for such. The new Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger says so much about how Share Our Strength can surmount Washington's polarization and paralysis and still get big things done for kids. The Mayor's Pledge to End Childhood Hunger underscores our commitment to community-driven solutions, recognizing that state and local level is where food assistance efforts succeed or fail. It underscores our commitment to bipartisanship, to diversity and inclusiveness, and our belief that it takes more than food to fight hunger, and that we must address poverty's root causes and related issues, from family economic opportunity to health equity, about which the mayor spoke so powerfully. If you want to learn more about the Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger, 
please visit mayorshungeralliance.org. For more information about the work of Mayor Giles and Mayor Stoney, please visit adpassionandstir.com, where you can find links to resources mentioned in this episode and other episodes of the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, share it with a friend, or rate it so others can find it. Add Passion and Stir is produced by District Productive and Paul Woodle, with support from our team at Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign. Debbie Shore, Megan Cantrell, Kelly Griffin, and Johanna Weber. Thank you.